Now I get why, you know, in some Joe Rogan podcasts where they're like, oh, we're recording now, you know, and they've been talking for 25 minutes before. (laughs) This is why. Mr. Cartwright's fallen asleep. He's absolutely bored by this. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I've realised uh, I've been. I've, I know why I've been called up now. I'm the guinea pig. So, uh, <laughs> my ego's taken a massive hit in the yeah. last forty seconds. So thanks, Tommy. You know, uh, we're just going to call it. We're going to call it there. Um, thanks for joining us, man. <laughs> Let's call him this week and waste his time. Tom Cartwright is doing nothing, <laughs> which I was doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not at all. All right. All right. We're k- kicking off. Let's do it. Das, do you want to kick us off for this one, mate? No, we've already kicked off. So, oh, Tommy. <laughs> this podcast, so for the first two running, minutes. Okay, hang on. There's this running joke of the podcast, Tom, that the podcast has actually already started and that there's no intro. And Steve wants me to every time do this. All right, Das, do you want to kick us off? And I respond with, yeah, so welcome to The Pursuit of Love, and this is all about, and then we do everything that a normal podcast does, try and make it sound good, but the truth of the matter is it's already started. How do you like that? I love it. I think it's already started. Exactly. That's our intro. That's it, and it's a way better intro than anything we could do professionally. That is, that's epic. I can't wait to rock out with you both. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be good. It's going to be good. Tommy, how about you start by telling us a little bit about what you do um, and what the pursuit of love is all about to you. So how did you get into business? Why do you love it? Why do you hate it? Just give us a little bit of a background for our listeners. Why do I love it? Why do I hate it? I, uh, I was thinking about this and I thought I'd share something with you and your listeners. It was about 2009. I was working in hospitality. And I was so over hospitality because I was so over being told what to do, what time to get out of bed, how long my shifts had to be, if I was allowed a break or not. And I remember walking out of the bar on one of my breaks that I was given, which was really nice. <laughs> and uh, I had a conversation with myself. And the conversation was like, I clearly remember it. I always will remember it. The conversation was like, Tommy, just keep doing what you're doing. One day you'll make it to the top of hospitality. And you might make like 100 grand a year or something. And it'll just be cool. Like you'll just, at least you'll be doing something. And immediately after that moment, my heart said, no, hang on a second. There's got to be more. There's got to be something that you actually love. And my ego, you know, responded with, no, 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 no. Don't forget, you'll have a wage coming in. No matter what happens, no matter if you're sick, you'll always have someone paying you. You'll always have something safe to fall back on. I had this conversation. I call it the head-heart conversation. It was going on from my head to my heart. My head was talking like possibility and wonder and finding something that I love in life and actually doing something that I want to get out of bed in the morning for. And my heart kept rebuttaling with, no, 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 no. Just do the standard thing. That's all that you are. That's all you're capable of. And it was really interesting because I I went straight back to work and I kept doing that for the six months. Um, But about six months after that, I sat down with the first mental health professional I'd ever sat down with. And, uh, you know, he enabled me and helped me realize that there was something that I would have loved out there. And it was certainly not the traditional working for a a company or corporation or a business. And uh, about a year after working with him, I'd found uh, coaching as a vehicle uh, and I'd found this insight to potentially run my own business one day. Uh, so look, I went on the journey of, of running my own business and it is a bit of a, <laughs> a love-hate relationship. It's the most rewarding, most rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life. And at the same time, it is constantly the most daunting <laughs> thing I've ever totally. done in my life. Yeah. Can I, I want to I touch on something here. So... What you'll find, Tommy, is that this this will just go off in so many different tangents. It's a good thing. So you mentioned you saw a mental health practitioner. 
Mm. I would love, and what, what do you guys think of this, Steve, Matt? I'm starting to find a theme of people that are following what they love. And Tommy, you've actually said this before. I reckon we spoke about two years ago over the phone we were talking about this. Is For those that don't know, uh, uh, Tom helps people with uh, Drink Less, Feel Fresh, which is people who are drinking too much alcohol and want to be able to live a life of choice around how much alcohol they drink, which I think is phenomenal. But Tom, you said you noticed a lot is that people that uh, uh, become addicted to alcohol, so often they'll say, I know there was a deeper part of me that always wanted to be an entrepreneur, always wanted to run a business, always wanted to be at the top, always wanted to do something massive. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was scrolling through LinkedIn this week and I saw, I won't say the name, but I saw a guy uh, pop up in the feed and he was announcing to the world about the amount of depression and anxiety he was experiencing some five or six years ago. And to be where he was then, to be where he is now, which is one of the world's most successful podcasters and interviewers, he said it was in those times of the depression, the anxiety, the beating myself up that I actually learned that this is the deepest I could ever go into my own psyche. I never want to go here again, and I'm going to use it as fuel to move forward. Mm. Have, have you guys noticed this? There, there seems to be some some common theme between people that want to go really massive and want to pursue a dream also have an equally and opposite darker side to them that is quite scary and, uh, shall we say, uh, defeating in its in its own way, but also empowering in others. Have you noticed this or is this just me? Mm. I've certainly noticed it. I, I actually share with my clients that the individuals who are experiencing like strong levels of addiction, like I need to run this addiction pattern, whether external, like substance abuse, gambling, sex, things like that, or whether it's internal, which could be addicted to grieving, anxiety, depression, things like depressive states. And I actually share with them that I think it's actually the universe kind of giving you a bit of a kick up the bum. And I, and I, I take the metaphor on this way. It's like if the universe didn't get me to those depths of despair, I wasn't getting the message. The universe was saying, come on, I had the conversation with you, Tom. I told you that you could do something great. You're still not doing it. Okay, I'm going to drive a fair bit of pain here for you. You're going to experience what I call a midlife crisis at the age of 24. And, you know, and yeah, there's a common pattern with my clients, especially around addiction. When they solve that problem, they seem to just, without knowing it, regurgitate this idea of the dream that they've always really had. Yeah, wow. So it's really a common pattern um, that I see. Is it fair to say that the addiction never goes away, though? You're just essentially shifting addiction to something a little bit more resourceful? Like, I talked about this in The Pursuit of Love. It is almost an addiction. Like, you, your brain, it's a, it's a blessing and curse. You can't turn it off. You're like, stuff this. I'm going to pursue this thing no matter how painful it is. Is it just that we're just shifting addiction away from getting massively That's drunk to just falling in love <laughs> and being addicted to something that kind of works okay most of the time? Yeah. Look, in the short in the short term, up I call it up-leveling your addiction. If you're addicted to drinking, gambling, and smoking, I'm going to be okay if you then become addicted to going to the gym. But once it starts to become a problem, it's probably time to, yeah, up-level your addiction again. But the, the, the deepest, the, the, oh, the pinnacle that we all reach for, I believe, is being addicted to self-love and self-nurturing strategies. So I, don't, I don't think that a, works. Tell me more. I reckon people fall in love with themselves and then they find all the things even more that they don't love about themselves and forever go chase a void <laughs> that is not not fillable. I think C.S. Lewis said it best when he said that human beings are unceasing worshippers, so we just simply choose what we want to worship. And I think, mm. I think people that worship themselves 
don't often end up in good places regardless of how they label it, whether it's self-love or self-care. Mm. Yeah, that's the interesting thing you finished on, whether what is what is self-worship, what does that mean when someone says self-worship? Well, it can, yeah, I, I typically don't... If, if you can think about this, right, this is where I think there's this great battle going on because we fall in love with self-love and we essentially make ourselves God, if you want to put it that way. But then we also say equally that serving others is the way to true fulfillment. Well, those two things are actually competing ideas. Mm. I love myself and I make it all about me. And the more I make it about me, the less fulfilled I feel. The more I make it about others, the more fulfilled I feel, which is a weird mm. sort of thing. Like, how do you battle with that? Mm. Well, I see, then, then I kind of agree with some parts of what you're saying. So I'll say it really rural with the chance of losing some people that look up to me or like my stuff. <laughs> Whilst, <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Uh, you're yeah. going to lose fans. Tell the guy yeah. first. I'm really open with my moral compass. And to be really, really honest with you, this game of life for me is about doing the things that I love. They are spending time with my family, looking after my kids that are yet, that, the, that are on the way, playing a lot of golf enjoying coffee, enjoying holidays. And guess what? I'm okay that for me to feel that narcissistic side of me, I'm going to use a vehicle which serves others. And, and that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm like totally okay that my vehicle that I'm choosing, I think is helping and changing the world. And then, yeah, that's a massive justification for me to be like, oh, this is a nice way to make money and play a lot of golf. Totally. But I'm really honest about it. That's where I'm at at the moment. That's my like peridium that I'm like kind of experiencing life through. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Sorry to go so deep so quick. It's just kind of how I roll. It just apologize for going so deep so quick. No, I didn't. I'm not going to apologize at all. Um, Thank you. I I, I, I got something else to go off on. Okay. If I can interrupt. I want to talk about it um, literally. All three of you guys have the same story where you're like, I was working this dead end job. I didn't enjoy it. You know, and one day I woke up and decided I'm just going to go off and do the, the thing that I love. I want to talk about that logistically. Is the only way that you were able to do that because you had a considerable amount of savings to fall back on? No, because I had none. You had none? Because like, uh, how, how, is, how is the average person meant to... Like, I, I guess I'm in that boat right now. I mean, I enjoyed this job, but there are other things that I want to go off and do. But I can't just quit because like, I, I would put myself in the boat with the average Australian. The average Australian is uh, like four to $5,000 in credit card debt and lives week to week on their paycheck. And respectfully, so if, the average Australian would use that as a cop-out, really respectfully. Well, how like how are you meant to quit your job and not pay rent? It's not so, I don't believe it's so black and white. I was in $30,000 debt to the Commonwealth Bank from gambling. I spent three years doing the, am I gonna get there whilst working full-time and then slowly into four days a week, then slowly into three days a week. And to be honest, the only thing that got me through was that I made a decision when I started my own business and I made a decision that I would give it a red hot crack for 10 years. And if I didn't make it in 10 years, yeah. I would opt out. Um, that, that, might yes. be the, that might be the point that we're missing. I think you just mentioned mm. that you were doing both at the same time. You started yeah. your business while you still had the job. Whereas I know, Steve, you actually quit your business and like, didn't make anything for six months well, whilst the job, trying, yeah. trying, to, trying to work on, on this, this business. Yeah. And then Darcy, you said you just went from nothing to this. 
Did, yeah, is, that, is that because a, you? A lot of people say. A lot of people say, "What advice would you have for doing that?" And my response is often, "Don't do it the way I did it," which was <laughs> is, which was cut the ties. So it's sort of like meeting you in the middle on it, Matt. Did Did I you go straight cut... from from university to starting up this business? No, like I worked for a com- I worked for a company first yep. in sales, and like worked for a few places first, and then I left that role and started the business from there. Um, but I, I pretty much like just, I burned the bridge in, not in yeah. like, not necessarily the people. I just mean like in my mind, I was like, I'm never going back to that. I went cold Turkey is probably the better metaphor to use or analogy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I went cold Turkey on jobs and just went straight into my own business. Mm. And it's amazing, Matt. I think that you, you can only ever come up with a whole idea of, I wouldn't be able to do this from the current mind that you have right now that he's living in a job. So yep. you living in a job, you are what's referred to as a consistency machine. You'll find all the evidence in your world to remind you that the decision you're making right now is the right one to make. Hmm. So any evidence of how you could leave the job and do what you want to do, your mind will delete. It'll yep. get rid of it because yep. it's not safe for it to know that. Does that hmm. make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, so, I'm like, like for, for context, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I'm doing what, what Tom did. You know, On the weekend, I spent both days working on my film. Yeah. Um, and then now Monday to Friday, I'm back at work. But I'm I, I'm just asking questions that I think the audience yeah, will be I'll, asking I'll. as like because the three like everyone t- seems to get together and just talk about um, I had this dream and so I did this and did and then this is the result. But there's a lot of parts yes. that's missed out and people go, oh well, it's really easy when you break it down to two sentences like that, you know. I left my job and then I succeeded in business six months later. Well, like fill in the gaps for me so that I have the confidence to go do that too. Yeah, but probably people do that when, you know, Tommy, congrats, by the way. So you got a, you got a young one on the way. Yeah, eight weeks, beautiful girl on the way. You, you've had the girl? No, she, she's arriving in eight weeks. Oh, she's, dude, oh. so good, life-changing. It's the best thing ever. So like yeah. I, think it's, <laughs> I think the reason why some of us, you know, condense it down into two sentences and it's all good is partly with maybe what your wife will go through where, you know, there's this amazing thing, Darcy, you might be able to explain what actually happens in the brain, where, you know, some ladies, like childbirth is horrendous. Oh, my goodness. Wait till you go through it, dude. You'll be, you'll love it. <laughs> um, no, but they, but they literally forget it. They forget part of what childbirth was because it's, it's it was a, so it's, painful. It's a chemical release, isn't it? Yeah. That after Somewhere. you finish it, your your body makes you forget about the there's experience. Gonna, there's going to be people listening to this. So that you want to do guys it again. Are so off. It's so. I'm, I don't think we true. are. I don't think we are. Anyway, no, you are. It's, called, it's called oxytocin for those of you playing at home. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I think maybe we were just so full of oxytocin or whatever it's called that you just forget about it. You're like, oh, it was hard, but you just get through it. I don't know. Hmm. I think if, anyway. if I can add, like, yeah. if I can add to that, Matt, like, because this this is such an important question that you brought up. It's like hang on, that's a big jump. You had addiction or you were depressed or you weren't happy in your job and then you're successful. And I'll be honest with you, yeah, a lot of the gaps have kind of just filled themselves and I forget to mention them because mm. the emotion isn't tied to it anymore. It's not such a struggle anymore. Mm. So the, the first thing that I share with anyone that's listening, I'm like, listen to what I said at the start. I worked with a mental health care practitioner who specializes in helping a young person find direction and clarity over where their life is going. Because my thinking did not tell me I could run a business. My thinking didn't tell me this and that. It couldn't solve the gaps. I was in debt. So I was actually, it's like, I don't have all the answers, but for me, what worked was paying someone and just listening to what they said 
Yep. That's and cool. would you suggest that the first step you took to doing that was out of pain more than anything else? Yeah. Like yeah. it got it got that bad that you finally had to do something about it as opposed to deciding that's what you want to do, yeah? Yeah. So I would agree, and coming back to Matt's devil's advocacy before, is that it's usually you'll take the action as long as it's painful enough to keep remaining doing whatever you're doing. Like if it gets finally, if, if, if your finger finally gets so close to the fire that it finally burns it, that's when you'll actually move. And I think that's when the decision actually doesn't become a rational, logical one of realizing how much savings you've got in the bank. It becomes more of an emotional one where you're like, I'm finally going to do something different. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Tommy, tell me about your, um, tell me about, you know, so this whole pursuit of love thing is it's kind of wacky idea of I had as far as, you know, we're all pursuing this thing that we love. It's similar to, you know, a bride. It's, it's you know, for me, this thing actually takes a, a, a bride-like, you know, state <laughs> image where you just, you know, you just fall madly in love with it and you just chase it until you die. Um, what's, the, uh, what's the bride for you? Like, what, what is, you said 10 years, and I think that's pretty remarkable because I, I think a lot of people don't think that far at all. Mm. Um, I think most people think, you know, if this doesn't work by June, you know, and you're in May, well, we'll have to reevaluate. Um, so what, what is this 10-year thing for you? What is the bride? What is the thing you're pursuing? It's, I, I, I have this passion for, sometimes I just overuse it and it becomes a massive weakness, but I have a passion for rebelling against the tribe. Um, I have a passion for being told I can't do something and going after that. So what I mean by that is like, for me, the bride is how much time can I make for me to do the things that I want? Whereas to be honest, when I started, it was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to be able to make a heap of money. Um, and it was never really aligned with me. It didn't really motivate me. So at the moment, it's like the bride for me is the, the image that I have. I'm very visual is like, how often can I run that I- ideal day? How much time can I spend with my kids? How many days a week can I drop my kids to school? Because I want to drop them to school. So for me, it's very much a... Um, the that's it the currency is time for me it's, it's mm. never i've never been emotionally attached to money but i have had to learn that money does provide options in life it simply does um but for me it's time man i'm on this journey to figure out how much time can i spend creating emotional and physical support to my kids and my wife nice. that's it for me where do you think that mm. came from like because it's I'm, I'm finding other things that you know these these brides that we pursue they just seem to hang around for a long time and like you start to connect the dots in hindsight and you look back on life and you're like ah that's where that came from maybe um mm. where do you where do you think that came from it to be really honest with you like a welcome to the podcast all right here we go <laughs> <laughs> to be really honest with you mate i think it comes from a combination of how i was raised um from both my mother and my father growing up um receiving you know clear differences between emotional support and financial support and me figuring out, well, how can I provide both of those in an exponential way to my family? Um, to be honest, that's where I believe it. That's where I believe it's come from. So it's, it's, it's taking what I loved most about respectfully how I was raised and combining it to make my own kind of um, mixture and recipe for what that looks like. So when I'm talking to you now, what's coming up for me is, yeah, a lot of it is about, uh, who I'm going to be as a man, as a father, as a husband um, for the people that I care most about. And to be really honest with you, it's taken a while to be okay with that um, because I did get caught up in the whole positive psychology, serve others, put yourself last. So 
for, for the last couple of years, I struggled to even comprehend the idea that I wanted to get something out of this. Uh, lately, I've been much more aligned with that and sitting with a lot of peace, a lot of, a lot of calm, a lot of clarity. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that you still use other people. So when you say, you know, I want it to be about me, most of the things that you just described, whether it's playing golf, hanging out with your wife, taking your kids to school, they still involved other people. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. If, it's just people that you love, right? People that I love, mostly, yeah. How they feel does reflect how I feel. If When my wife, beautiful wife, Jamie Lee, is like happy and totally inspired and laughing uncontrollably, I'm, the, I'm done. Like there's nothing... There's nothing else for me. So it's like a contradicting in itself, the conversation. It's like, oh, you're doing it for others, you're doing it for yourself. It's like, I believe, to be honest, at the end of the day, everything's coming back to me. Um, at the moment, yeah, my language is coming out to you as you've picked up. It's very much like, oh, but I'm trying to serve them. Yeah, so which one, is, which one is it? <laughs> here's the, well, here's the question because it's something that, like, I'm worried that I'm going to have to battle with in the future is – if you had to pick between your passion, your business, or your partner, who are you going to pick? Well, if I would have to pick between my passion and my partner, I would pick my partner. Because I, I, well, well, then, like, bring it on. <laughs> you know, then how much do you really care about the business? I care enough about it to know that I could drop it and still fulfill my life to the extent that I want to through a number of other vehicles. I can solve a heap of problems. I'd find something else. I would find another way, maybe to serve, maybe not. Maybe I'll go out there and be a greedy little narcissist and sell credit cards to 85-year-old people. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I know that I'll still create the life that I want for my family. Like That's what matters most. My business and as a vehicle, I look at my business as a vehicle to fuel and, and, and yeah, to fuel family life, yeah. time moments experiences the values that i want to experience mm. and i do believe at the end of the day that if it's not through this vehicle it'll be through another vehicle yeah yeah i like that do you ever find it what a, can I ask what about you matt well i i guess it comes down to the <laughs> being the, like a little different industries but like my my passion is film i want to i want to be a director or i'm sorry i'm going to be a director i am a director but one day i'm going to get paid for it um you know, and so the end goal is you, let's say hypothetically, you want to end up in LA. That's the, that's the land of movies. That's where it all, it all comes together. And, um, or Bollywood. You go to Bollywood. Go to Bollywood, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like, let's say I'm given the question where, like, a studio approaches me and goes, here's $100 million. You're going to direct this film, but you're going to have to move to LA for the next three years. And my partner says, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. Then, what would you do? I'm going to LA. I'm sorry, Lauren. Like, I, lo- I love you. And, <laughs> and I know you're listening to this. But um, yeah, I, like, you know, she's, she's going to have to work out how to come along with me. Because if I stayed and I'm like, you know, I'll stay with her and have a family and all that, I have a, a, a very deep-seated fear that I would resent my family because they pulled me away from actually chasing the dream. Well, I think mm. it's a fair comment. I think a lot of people do probably... I think, I think the, the most... I, th- I think one of the worst things people could live with is the feeling of regret. Mm. You know, really like, I don't know what you think about time and we can go super deep and philosophical, but really is we, we've got a ticking time clock and you don't know when it is. I think I, I've, I've met people that resent, resent their partners because they held them back from exploring or doing or venturing out and trying new things. I, I, I just think that's really sad. 
I think it's really mm. sad that people would, would do that. Um, well, wouldn't the wiser thing then be to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to leave, and then you'll end up finding someone better that doesn't affect you like this, and likely for yourself, you'll find someone else on the journey that is better suited for you anyway? Oh, possibly. That sounds like a weird fairy tale sort of thing. <laughs> you know? Put yourself I, first. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, like, I don't <clears throat> think I'm down for the soulmates thing. I think that you'll all, like, there's seven... 8 billion people in the world, you're bound to find someone else that you get along with as much as your current oh, sure. partner. Especially especially in Bollywood. Yeah. Oh, there's heaps, man. And I'd like to apologize to my girlfriend again who's listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> Episode three, the breakup. <laughs> <laughs> Matt goes to LA. Episode three, the end of love. <laughs> That's really, really you cool. You always make the decision. You, uh, you always make the decision. Like a decision like this really comes down to make the choice that you can handle a little bit easier. Mm. Like <laughs> that's it. There's no right or wrong. Just make the choice that you could live with a little bit easier. I'm going to go ahead and say it with a chance of heaps of people that have children go against what I'm about to say, but put yourself first. You have to, you have to put yourself first. Otherwise you're going to live with resentment and it'll always be the reason behind if someday it didn't work out it was because, mm. Oh, I didn't choose to do that thing that I really wanted. I'm all for putting yourself first, even in situations where people say, no, you should probably put other people first. Put yourself first. Yeah. We got, yeah. We're going around in circles here. I, think <laughs> I don't mind. This is, this is, I think it's this, such a good yeah. I think it's a good, like, yeah, I get what you, I, I get, let's unpack that a little bit more because I think we could probably find, or maybe we won't find common ground here. But I think it's I think it's an important I think it's an important thing um, with I suppose the pursuit of love the the bride that you're chasing and then perhaps even having to work with another bride called your wife or husband and and juggling all of that and then you get, add kids into the mix and it's it's different again I think I think you can't take a I think that I think you can't take a hard stance of just always put yourself first. Mm. I just don't think that would lead to a solid result. Also, perhaps putting yourself last really practically wouldn't also lead to a really good result. Because you mm. see some people that never really actually get anywhere, even in business or sales, if we talk about sales for a moment, because they continually you know, don't accept the things that come to them or the opportunities mm. that come to them. So they keep going, no, no, I'm not ready for that yet or whatever it may be. Mm. So is it possible that you need a blend of both? 100%. This is the funniest thing when I say to people, I'm like, you got to put yourself first. And then, yeah, because I'm saying put yourself first. It's like, oh, so if my if your daughter or son needs something, you're just going to neglect that? No, I mean it in the way that if you put yourself first enough resourcefully in a healthy way, you can actually put others in front of you so much more. I'll give you an example. From not pursuing my passions uh, back in the day, from not putting myself first, from not relishing the truth, from not... What say, from not saying what needs to be said, I was running narcissistic, self-loathing addiction patterns. I couldn't put others first. I couldn't go to events. I couldn't say, yeah, I'll come to your engagement party. I was constantly in an egotistical way, putting myself kind of first in a really unhealthy way. But now when I mean I, like put yourself first, like follow your passions, I'm in a position to, to be really honest with you. You know, I hope it's okay. She wouldn't mind, but my wife wrote me a beautiful letter uh, just yesterday telling me that almost like she wants for nothing. So I'm obviously not putting myself first literally, right? Because I'm putting her before me so much, but it only comes from learning to put myself first. Does that make sense? 
Mm. What are your thoughts, Dars? I'm with you, Tommy. I think it's a matter of <clears throat> putting yourself first actually allows you to put others first when you need to. Mm. It has to start with you. It's the whole idea of putting your, your own oxygen mask on first when the, when the airplane crashes because you need to be able to save others after that once you're taken care of. If you're not taken mm. care of, you can't take care of anyone else. I think mm. that's key. I don't know why oh, that's we... never sat well with me, eh? I was about to say, Steve, I'll be yet to ask you when my when my daughter arrives, I'll be giving you a call asking you about the same conversation. Mate, oh, same man. podcast. Can we delete that one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my daughter first. That's it. <laughs> no, it's really yeah, cool. Yeah. No, fa- family's, think, family's great. I don't know why. I don't know why it's, it's never sat well with me, but I get it at the same time. It's kind of like if you don't take care of your own health, well, you're going to be pretty much useless to everyone. Yeah. Um, so the, the, I, get, I, I just think maybe we don't have the right language around it to like, articulated in a way where it really goes, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly it. Well, the language around it really at the end of the day is that it's, you don't put your first self first or last all the time, every time. It's got to be a mix of both. But it's sort of like we've gone looking for a rule here to live by, and the truth is there probably isn't one, mm. but it's dramatic and fun to discuss anyway. Very interesting. If it, if it helps, Steve, I, I love the term or the, or the breakdown of like healthily selfish is learning to put yourself first so you can serve more people. That's it. Whereas needy is actually wanting others to put themselves before you. Mm. And in it, like this is the context. Just look at it this way. I believe it's like, well, if there's two people, you can either be healthily selfish, stick to your boundaries, go after what you want so you can serve them later, or you can be the needy person that says, no, 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 put a break on your dreams. I need you right now. Mm. And it's, you know, there is such a deeper conversation to be had around it, but that's that was the first time I learned it because to be really honest with you, it's not something like I was not comfortable with this, as I said, like what I'm sharing with you now is pretty raw. It's only of the last six to eight months that I even speak like this. If we podcasted a year ago, I'd be like, yeah, it's just all about serving others. And, you know, I'm going to change the world and make sure everyone else is looked after. And if I get what I want, that's just icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's, I think that's, I think that's, that's, uh, that's good. So, Tommy, you're going 10 years. It's going to be about lifestyle. It's going to be about family. It's going to be about doing the things that you love, hanging with the people that you love in time, essentially freedom of choice, doing what you want when you want. Uh, how practically are you going to get there? What's, what's, uh, what's the game plan? Oh, damn it. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds really good. Um, but I think, uh, how, how, do you, how do you back that up? Because episode one, I'm not sure if you listened to it, but like we were kind of discussing this real battle that there's, you know, the world is preaching, you know, dreaming, the world is preaching ambition, you know, all of that sort of stuff is good. But there are some people that just don't have the chops to be able to actually do that. Um, mm. And, and how, do you, how do you handle this balance of, all right, I'm pursuing my bride, I'm pursuing the thing I love, but maybe I'm actually just not good enough to, uh, to land the bride. So, what's your thoughts there? How are, you, how are you going to practically do this? And also answer why you didn't listen to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I could feel that question was coming. <laughs> was like, just quickly watching episode one on the side here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, this is, the, this is the interesting thing. I've spoken to Darcy about it recently. They say, like, or I, I've heard a lot back in the day, it's like, shoot for the moon, you'll land upon the stars. This year, 2019, I'm okay if I sound like a dick. Um, this year, 2019, the way I'm living right now over the past eight weeks especially is what I wrote down um, when I was in a uh, logistical position very similar to Matt in, in a career, not having money to, like, to fund my dream yet. I can't just walk away. And I wrote down on a piece of paper that by the, by the time I turned 30, by the way, I'm you know experiencing addictions, $30,000 in debt, 
And I wrote down, by the time I'm 30 years old, I'm going to be living a life that I love. And what that means is I'm funding my own lifestyle that I love by my own, uh, through my own business. Mm. And I also uh, am location independent. So I could live anywhere I wanted in the world. Uh, and I'm also in a relationship where I'm more fulfilled and happy than I've ever been. Now, I wrote that down like a lot of people do. And then the next day went back to that is so airy fairy. That is never coming true. Like, what was that? What am I writing down? How is that meant to happen? I'm in all this debt. I've got no passions. I'm not even a coach. All this stuff was going on for me. Ironically enough, baby on the way, happier than we've ever been, bought our dream home last year, moving out of Sydney into our dream location, uh, debt-free, addiction-free, substance-wise and gambling-wise, um, and I turned 30 in August. Nice. Thank Sorry, you so much. Man. Congrats, yeah. man. Thank you. I'm really excited. Um, but at the same time, like your question is so perfect timing because at the same time I'm sitting here thinking, hang on a second, but now I've got kids on the way. Now I've got a wife to look up. Oh, now I've got to set bigger goals. So hang on a second. I can't play golf today because there's always something to be had and something to do in business. Like, do you... Steve Darcy, do you ever get this? Or Steve, particular. All the um, time, man. My wife will say, <laughs> "My wife will say, hey babe, you got any work to do tonight?" Perfectly like, child scream in the background. Then, by the way, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, she's like, "Do you have any work to do tonight?" I'm like, "There's always like I'm thinking that there's never going to be a no. There's always work to be done because the vision is big. Like we're on a journey." And it's almost like the, the trouble with business, I think, a lot of the biggest difficulties I experience is like self-permission. You've constantly be got to lead, have to be leading yourself to be in a position to give yourself permission, whether it's to want more or just to give yourself a break or to not want more. Um, so I'm kind of at a journey now where it's like, okay, this was pretty practical. But is what I've created now really viable for the next 10 years? And that's kind of like, that, that's where my thinking is at the moment. And with your question specifically, which is, you know, do some people just not have what it takes? This morning, I was thinking of that exact thing. And I was thinking to myself, having a bit of a chuckle thinking, I used to get so angry when people say to me, oh, Tom, you probably don't want to start your own business. It's actually really hard. 80% of businesses fail in the first three years, the next 20, you know, that, that thing that you hear. Mm. And I was chuckling to myself and I was like, because it is really hard. I'd be tempted to say the same thing to someone else. Mm. If I was to say the same thing to someone else, like, look, it's really hard. You probably shouldn't pursue it. I've just put myself on a pedestal like I'm some magician. That totally makes sense. I, I get that as well. Like the, the goalposts forever shift and, and you know, you move to the next thing. And I'm the same thing. I've always been someone to write things down and, and essentially it's weird. You do look back on things and you go, huh, kind of where I wanted to be. That's, that's weird. Yet you're still not fulfilled. <laughs> so, so you just come up with some new things to write down. Um, can, I, can I ask a question here? So this, this might take the diversion of the podcast in a little bit of a different spot. If this ends up being a two-part episode, I'm cool with it. They're constant. Like, I love it because it builds the tension, Steve. But there seems to be like, a, especially in the first two episodes, I think we can feel it. There's like a tension within you at the moment. Like there's an, there's an anger about something at the moment like you're looking for an answer that you can't find what do you think that is he's nodding his head though for most people can't see there's a tension within me an answer that i can't find what do that's i think that see, could be that that's a that's extremely vague that made me sound like a horoscope reader yeah. uh, but <laughs> there's a rebuttal i don't know there's a there's something there's like a, a, a tension i think um i think the tension is 
I think the tension is this. It's, it's about coming to grips that can I get to the point where there is one Steve Clayton? Is that possible? And I think the more that you expose yourself to even conversations like this, you feel different filters come on. Even now as I'm talking, there's a slightly different filter. I'm like, come on, where's the real one? Where's just me and I'm the same all the time? And I think when you're talking about growth and all this sort of stuff and, and we're talking about business and the pursuit of love, it's very easy for people to, for me, I'm going to talk about myself, it's very easy for me to, to, to say nice adages and these nice little things and, you know, it's about the journey and whatever and put yourself, whatever. But it's just this massive conflict of is it possible to get to being one person? I know it's possible because I saw it in my par and it keeps coming up but I'm cool with that because he was just the same person all the time. Doesn't matter who he was, in what situation, he was always the same. It's almost like he reached that, that point. So I think it's a frustration within myself of why can't I just be me? <laughs> why mm. is it so hard for me not to just show up and be myself? You'd think it would be the flipping easiest thing in the world to do. And I think just putting myself into situations like this where I'm really thinking deeply and then superficially and all this stuff at the same time makes me realise how hard it is to be yourself. Nice. And yeah, I think, that's well said. I think I'm frustrated mm. at myself in that. And just <clears throat> navigating this, yeah, is that bullshit? Like, it's nice. It sounds good through a podcast, but is that actually true? You know, that's the, I think that's what's going on within me. I think that would make someone a phenomenal consultant. Like, if you if you saw the world through that through those lenses of, I'm looking for the truth here and anything that seems a little bit like bullshit, my radar is going to go right off and I'm just going to challenge it. I'm all good if we challenge it and it finds out it is real, but I'm still going to challenge it to begin with. Yeah. I think that's healthy. Yeah, I think I'm just coming to the terms of being courageous enough to do that. I think for most of my life, I had that, but I never actioned it. I never spoke about it. Mm, I would, nice. I'd be really good at pleasing people or saying the right sort of thing. Um, but I think I'm coming to terms with there's not much point in that, particularly if you're going yeah. to mm. die. If you're going to die. <laughs> Is, yeah, is, you know, it's time. Time's precious. Anyway, nice. what made you say that, Dars? What made you think about that? I, uh, I just, I reckon it's a. It looked like you wanted to punch me in the face. Yeah, you just, <laughs> oh, you've got I? some anger. In, got some <laughs> anger in no, it's good. It's good because we've spoken many times before, Steve, about how you know we'll be training a room, and you'll say it's it's good, Dars, how you can call a room, or you you've worked with CEOs before where they'll they'll call people out in a room and go, this is you, this is what you're doing wrong. And it's actually done in a way that really helps people. Hmm. Uh, and I spoke to you after the last podcast episode and said there was a couple of times where you challenged me personally. I was like, dude, keep doing that. Like hmm. it's, su it's, such, it's such healthy truth searching hmm. when you can call some, someone out on anything or challenge people on something. I think it's one of the best things you can do for other people as well. Even though it hurts in the, in the short term, 10 minutes later, they're so thankful that it ever happened. Hmm. I'm hmm. trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. That's good. If I can add, I loved it. How you just said that, Darcy, because I wouldn't have brought it up because it's one of those tiny little things. But when I was sharing, answering a question that Steve asked me and then you rebutted with, yeah, I don't think so. And I was just like, what? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be really honest with you because I'm like my, one of my protection strategies is in life, like I can language the hell out of things in really elegant ways and someone goes for a rebuttal and I'm like yeah and when you say that it kind of means that and I'm like I can just really frame language in a like, way to like jiu -jitsu. yeah for like me to win 
And I'm like, ah, yes, I won. You're not going to feel that or I'm not going to feel it. So, uh, yeah, I loved it when you when you just called it how it was. That's epic. Too many people let me get away with just saying whatever I want to say. Yeah. More of that coming in episode three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's um, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to explore. It's funny, like episode one. It's similar to this. I don't know. Hopefully, people by this point are like, you got something out of it, or at least it's made people reflective. Um, I'm not sure about yourself, Das, but I got plenty of messages from episode one of people going like, I love yeah, just, yeah. I, I love just what it was. Even though me looking at it, I'm like, it's so imperfect. Mm. <laughs> no, yes. but that like that's that's the beauty of it. I think the the most wonderful thing, like the most inspirational thing, is having people that you idolize or look up to, um, tell you that they're like they're flawed, mm. kind of thing, and and then you and then you get to go, oh, they're just like me, mm. or or that level that they are that I once thought I could never achieve. Maybe that's a little bit uh, closer now. More attainable. Like more obtainable because I don't see them as this perfect, flawless human being. Mm. That's like that's what I, I like. That. Yeah, it's really interesting. I like that was the epic message Tommy. out of the um, Docker that I got. That was the epic message yeah. out of the Docker. Just like oh, oh relatability. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Tommy, it has been fantastic to have you join us, man. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. It's been awesome rocking out. Thank you we're so gonna, much for having me. We're going to post this one everywhere online. Share it, like it, tell your friends about it. Hit the uh, hit the like subscribe or follow on whatever yeah, um, do, podcast, do all those podcast podcasts. platform you listen to. Yeah, do the yeah. things that you've heard on every other podcast, like yep. the hit thing yeah. and, the, <laughs> and the star, <laughs> the star <laughs> thing and the, the tell, comment, tell, the uh, tell your thing. friends, Tell your friends about it. Tell your friends. Listen to it in the car with your family. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell, you, tell your wife that you're moving to LA. Yep. You're not coming. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. This Tommy, so where, can, where can where can people find you, mate? Uh, look, to be honest, Facebook. Hey, eh? Facebook. I'm such a people person. I'm real. Uh, reach out on Tom Cartwright. Uh, follow my staff. Send me a message. I'd love to connect. Have a coffee. Uh, otherwise, check out drinklessfeelfresh.com. We're on an epic mission to help 500,000 people lower their alcohol intake, and uh, it lights me up every day to help one more person do that. So. If it's you, reach out. I think it's such awesome, a worth, worthy pursuit, such a great pursuit. And once again, from all of us, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time, dude. It's been yep. great. Thanks so much, guys. I've loved rocking out. Cheers. Cheers.